With the Capital One Saver Card, you earn 4% cash back on dining and entertainment. That's 4% cash back on We Scream for ice cream. Oh, oh, I want strawberry. And 4% while you're screaming at the amusement park. The Capital One Saver Card. Earn 4% on dining and 4% on entertainment. Now, when you and the family go out, you cash in. Capital One, what's in your wallet? Terms apply. Capital One Bank, USA NA. Hey, if you like free stuff, you're going to like Tim's Rewards by Tim Hortons. You can earn free food or drinks after every seven purchases. Cool. How do I win? Um, it's not a contest. You just use your Tim's Rewards card. And after seven purchases, you score a free coffee, tea, or baked good. Whoa, so I've got a pretty good chance of winning. Well, actually, you've got a 100% chance of winning. Those are great odds. <laughs> They sure are. Free coffee and more with Tim's Rewards. It's Tim Hortons' way of saying thanks. Valid only at participating restaurants. Please visit restaurant or timhortons.com slash rewards for full program details. listening to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest in American soccer. And don't forget to subscribe. On the first ever episode of Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. The United States reaches a record 10th Gold Cup final after beating Costa Rica 2-0 in Arlington, Texas. What does it all mean for the U.S.? Also, U.S. and FC Dallas center back Walker Zimmerman joins the program to discuss his upbringing, family, and FC Dallas. Lastly, LAFC are mere 8 months away from their first ever match in Major League Soccer. How will the LAFC-LA Galaxy rivalry affect MLS? How will they affect each other? All on the first ever episode of Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first ever edition of Uncle Sam Soccer Podcast. I am Steven Jodder, and across from me is my co-host, Armand Kafai. What's up, y'all? What's up? What's up? How we doing? What an awesome episode we got for you. We're so happy you guys can listen. Follow us on Twitter at Pod. You can follow me on Twitter at Steven Jodder. And you can follow me on Twitter at K-A-F-A-I Sport. And uh, subscribe to the iTunes podcast because that's what we want you to do. So hit the subscribe. That way it's already taken care of and you don't have to worry about it ever again. But let's get straight to it. Armand, you were at the U.S. Gold Cup semifinal against Costa Rica last night in Arlington, Texas. How was it? It was a, it was a great atmosphere. Um, we saw 45,000 there. Uh, United States secured a 2-0 win over Costa Rica. It was an interesting game. I uh, When I was watching it... Um, I don't. You you caught like the latter part of the game. Is that correct? Yeah, I I caught majority of the game. The I was in and out of the game because I think the first couple minutes. So my my big gripe was the game started so late. It started at nine o'clock. We got there at around seven thirty. After all the press conferences and stuff, we left. Me and my partner left around two thirty, twelve thirty, and I got home at around two. So that just shows you how late that game lasted. Into well, just think about it. if you're a U.S. fan and you're watching on the East Coast. The game started at ten oh three or whatever yeah. it was. What 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 is Concacaf doing? 
I honestly don't know. I mean, were they trying to appeal to the West Coast or I, I don't I, just, I, I don't get it. I couldn't find the overwrite overnight ratings as far as the game, but it, it is baffling because Champions League football in Europe typically starts at eight forty five. And, that, and that's that's already late for them, right? Right. And but nine o'clock. I mean, the NBA final starts at eight o'clock. Mm-hmm. You know, Central Time, so it's nine o'clock. No, no, no. Uh, yeah, eight o'clock. It was eight o'clock Central Time. So it's time nine, yeah. nine o'clock uh, Eastern Time. But th- th- this this is ridiculous. People do not have that time, especially you know when they have kids. Sunday morning, some of them go to church. Whatever it is, it, it, it's, it's. I feel like there could have been a bigger crowd if the game was. A little bit earlier, maybe like if to start at seven o'clock. You said forty-five out of a stadium that holds ninety, yeah, easily. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, was the atmosphere good? It was good. Um, one thing I kind of noticed was the outlaws were a little quiet. But when Dempsey, when Dempsey was getting ready to come on, the crowd erupted. When they scored, the crowd erupted. So I mean, it was it was a good crowd, but for a lot of it, it was a little quiet. To be yeah, honest, yeah, yeah. Well. I mean, for the first half, it was all USA in domination, uh, in domination of possession, but not necessarily of chances. Um, as far as you know, the game ended two goals. The two goals came in the second half. But in the first half, you had opening seconds Morris flying down the on the. On it was the right. great combination play with Ariola Morris Altador, and for the first twenty five minutes, you thought USA was going to get one. You thought it was going to be one zero. USA would be easy, easily going into the Gold Cup, but then you saw Costa Rica finally get into the game, and it kind of changed. Costa Rica was playing a lot better, and they had the bulk of the chances for the latter part of the first half. I mean, it wasn't really until Dempsey came on that the game really changed for USA. Right, and Costa Rica came into the game. They're going to play defensively. Mm-hmm. Th- that was with the formation that was really a back. Five. It was not a back, a back five. Four. Yeah, the Gold Cup website says it's a back four, but watching the game was definitely a back five. They definitely sunk it in, and and the U.S. with the traditional four four two, absolutely yeah. going in and um, out the door with uh, Jordan Morris kind of swapping in and out, out the door being more of the lead man. Morris kind of dropping dropping back, right? And, yeah. and running out on the side. They played a lot through. They played a lot through the wings. If, if you watched it, there wasn't that much central play. And there was actually a map. Uh, uh, posted on Twitter by Paul Carr, and if you see, he always points out there's a Pulisic size gap in the middle, yeah, and yeah. it's right where Pulisic would be playing. There's no, there was no middle creativity. It's all in the wings. It's all Nagby, Ariola, the combination play between the fullbacks and the the wingers. That was the U.S.'s main source of attack. There was not that much attack through the center of the park. And then Kellen Acosta, Darlington Nagby, and Michael Bradley made up the midfield. Mm-hmm. And then Graham Zusi kind of playing some sort of wing back position, covering in defense, going forward. Yeah, I, I, Zusi as a player, he's very good. He has very good crossing, very good passing, but he's not a right back in my eyes. He's too slow to be a right back. He is more of a central midfielder, in my opinion. And the fact that he was playing right back, it wasn't that good. And he was getting burned on the wings, especially, too. I mean, there's a couple times where Costa could play long balls over the top, and Zusi would be sprinting back. He couldn't catch him, he, he wasn't as fast enough as exactly. his players. Well, you had the opening second smash of the near post. Then Guzman on for Costa Rica minutes later had a chance. But after that, it was USA with possession. Kind of, you know. Kind of t- just trying to break through yeah, the Costa Rican and, defense. It wasn't like any substantial but there chances. there were periods of time where Michael Bradley would force a pass. Kellen Costa would force a pass. Mm-hmm. Somebody would always force a pass. And Costa Rica, good solid minutes where Costa Rica would touch the ball and it would go right back to the U.S. Right, right. And it just was a stalemate. Mm-hmm. Second half comes on, and it was more of what the first half was. 
But what changed the game was Clint Dempsey. I mean, I was talking to somebody in the press box. The one player on that team that could provide a difference was Clint Dempsey on the bench. No one else. You look at the bench, there was no true creative. They're hardworking players. There's no maybe Joe Corona, but that's pushing it a little bit. It was all Clint Dempsey as a creative force. And when he came on, you you could tell it just made a massive difference for them. I mean, you saw it. He created the first goal with Altador and he scored the free kick goal. I mean, what else can you ask for for a, a sub like that? Yeah. And so the assist, then uh Dempsey comes on comes on, provides assist for Altador, and that's when it seemed to open. Yes. Uh, the United States was more creative. Going forward, it seemed like they could score at any moment. Oh, yeah. It was it was all about that creativity. Dempsey brought that creativity that, not on the level of Pulisic, but it's still a creativity the USA lacked throughout the game. I mean, if you watch them, like I said, there was no one in the middle to even like create something. It was all in the wings. It was, it was very... Uh, wing-based play, if that makes any sense. You know, Dempsey, uh, not Dempsey, but Altidore had has had a dry spell as far as the U.S. Goal, mm-hmm. goal scoring. Uh, it's his first goal in 10 matches for the national team. Yeah, and you saw it in his, you saw it in his celebration. He threw off his shirt, you know, flexed his uh, nipples that have been pinched by uh, the El Salvadorian players. Yeah, but, I mean, I, 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 thought it'd be, I thought it'd be a little Band-Aid on there, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> he's also, I mean, he's ripped. He's a ripped guy. Oh, yeah, he is ripped. But <laughs> he's also... Uh, Third on the all-time goal-scoring list as far as the national team. Has 106 appearances. Your boy Landon's number one. Yeah, my boy Landon. (laughs) Now, joint second. Joint first place, yeah. Yeah, first place, sorry. But in my eyes, he's second. But (laughs) no, but Josie Altador, um, you know, he's still 27, so he could actually go for the record. I mean, he's still, like, relatively young if you think about it. He's not not an old player. He's not, like, an old, old player compared to, you know, like, the rest of the old guns on the team. Right. Dempsey gets gets the assist. Ten minutes later, the free kick, he puts it low. Uh, the wall was off-centered. It was weird. It, like You saw like the Costa Rican player stick his foot out, but the ball went underneath his foot. Yeah. When he stuck his foot out, you're like, wow, that, that went in. That was so like, it's, it's in the back of net, 2 nothing. Dempsey knew in the moment. Yeah, he, he celebrated had, before it went in. Yeah, yeah. He, he knew the moment the ball left his A foot. A little Stephen Curry action right there. Yeah, yeah, a lot of it. And uh, good for him. He ties it, 57 goals. And what's what's insane is it's 17 games faster than Landon Donovan did. He is what we call Captain America. This is one of the best players in the United States history. You know, you can make an argument he's probably the greatest at the moment. Oh, absolutely. I totally I mean, think so. I think Landon Donovan gets the rep because he was number one. And, you know, he kind of carried the torch for the u.s but as far as it comes to the best player overall landon donovan isn't necessarily high on as many lists as people would believe if we're looking be. at overall body of work international and club you have to give the dempsey with his time in fulham yes and his time in europe he played very well he plays well in mls he plays well in international he's overall a well-rounded player yes um so th- that's the recap of the game possession was still in, at the end was 41% for Costa Rica and 59% for the United States, which I think is a huge talking point because in the first half it was 61-39. And the U.S., besides for the opening minute strike by uh, Jordan Morris hitting the post, other than that, they were uncreative going forward. Yeah, there was not much creativity. I mean, Nagby played really well on the wings. He uh, was a very good uh just creative force on the wings. But like I said, what the U.S. lacked was that middle creative force. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you can't just play on the wings the whole game. 
Well, here's Josie out the door post game. Yeah, it was big, man, just to, to carve a chance for me. Um, I felt like uh, I've been doing a lot of good work. I uh, just kind of missed that opportunity. And today he came in. He does what he does. He, he tries shit, man. He, he had a beautiful turn, got away from another guy, and then an incredibly weighted ball. So it was terrific. You celebrated that goal with a lot of emotion. I mean, you know, where, where did that come from? You know, what, what no, it's just, you know, it's, you know it's, it's been a tough road for me in terms of tournaments for the national team. So to get one finally and play in kind of an important game, it was I was really happy. And I was just happy to be out there because I haven't been able to play in one in a while. What role are you guys to have Clint tie that record? Oh, look, you can tell everybody's happy for him. I mean, he's been working so hard to be a part of some part of that journey, to be a part of some small piece of it. You know, it means a lot to me, and I was really thrilled for him. Is this your most complete performance as a team tonight, do you think? In this tournament, I think, I think so far. I think so far. I thought we played a really good team. I thought this was probably a, one of the first real, real tests for us, and I thought uh, Costa Rica played well. You have to give him a lot of credit. So... Do apologize about not hearing the questions as much. Yeah, as well. and the language from Altador. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he, he was fired up after the game, especially scoring in in so long. But you know, he talked about it. He says this was the best game so far in the tournament. Obviously, he's pers- personally for him, uh, he hasn't done so well when it comes to tournament. Uh, the World Cup in 2014 pulls up what 18 minutes into the game with a hamstring. Yep, and that and that ruined his his tournament. And it, I, at the time, it definitely changed the, the complexion of the United States on the field tactically. But overall, what are your th- what are our what are our thoughts over the game? I mean, what are we doing with the United States? Because to me, it's still the same problem we've had for the last fifteen years. Christian Pulisic will ch- no doubt change the creativity of the United States, but that is one player, and you see it. The United States, what are they going to do different when they play a Germany, or Argentina, Chile, a Mexico? My thing is this: the USA is kind of stuck in this weird transition period. If that makes any sense, this is what I want to. Uh, I mentioned to you off off the show. They're in some weird transition period where they want to move away from Dempsey, Bradley, all these guys. But they but still they have can't. To rely. They, they, they can't. still rely on them, and it's like you you feel frozen in town because it it's you go back six years ago and you're still looking at the same players. It's the same players, same same thing. And with Arena coming back, you're gonna get that same thing. Those players that he always trusts and rely on. That's gonna be the Dempsey's, Altdorf, oh, no doubt, and the Bradleys. And like you said, what are they gonna do different against teams like Germany and stuff? These guys, they've proven that. They can't really keep up with those with those teams with the current group that they have with the Altador, the Dempsey's, and all all that stuff. So what's going to change? And that's the thing. I don't know what's going to change because they're stuck in this transition period. You have all these players, like younger players, like Kel Nacosta, Jordan Morris, but you still have Clint Dempsey. You still have Michael Bradley. You still have all these players. Now I'm not saying they're bad. They're quality players. But at some point, we have to realize we got to move on. We can't be stuck in. 2006, 2010. We got to move on. We got to go to no, different it's like, you know Look at the saying? goalkeeper situation. It's who? Tim it, Howard. It's still Tim Howard. Yes, you have Jesse Gonzalez. I don't understand why Bruce Arena. Who? Timmy Howard, is he going to be even playing at the World Cup next season? Who? Uh, next year? I mean, you have to expect and, so, right? I mean, like, how old is he? 38? 38, something like that. Yeah. So he, he's already an old man. Yeah, I get it, Buffon. But Buffon is 20 times the keeper that, that Tim uh, Howard, Howard was in his heyday. So, why not give it to Jesse Gonzalez? Why not give it to a youngster? Or Bill Hamid or Sean Johnson or something along those lines. It's You're just stuck in time. And that's the thing that people are worried about with Bruce Arena. Because Klinsman wasn't afraid to try things. As much as I didn't like Klinsman, he wasn't afraid to try things and put in young players here and there. But 
Arena is going to stick to his old guns no He's matter what. He's still going to stick to his old guns. Look at the back line. Who was it? Matt Beasler, Omar Gonzalez. Why yeah. not put Hedges out there? Why not put somebody different to see what you have? Because at the end of the day, what does this Gold Cup accomplish? Absolutely nothing. Yes, they lift the trophy and it, it, uh, it rejuvenates. Bruce Arena is better than Klinsman. Blah, blah, blah. No, 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 it doesn't. Because at the end of the day, you still have these World Cup qualifiers. And the World Cup qualifiers coming up are not easy. No, they not- play Costa Rica September 1st here in the United States. That will be deciphered because guess what? Costa Rica are ahead of them in the standings. To his credit, though, Arena has tinkered with the back line a little bit, putting in Hedges last game and whatnot. So he has done that a couple times. But like you said, I think one of the prime examples are is Graham Zussi. Why is, why is Graham Zussi our right back? You, you see him get burned left and right on the field. And like I said, I don't see him as a right back. I see him as a center back. And obviously what we're saying is, yes, you have European players. Brooks, Cameron, Pulisic. Would I mean yes, but you know, what are they doing right now? They're preparing for their upcoming season, so it is it's tremendously difficult to assess where the U.S. But watching the Gold Cup, the Bruce Arena quickly had to go back to his old and top guys because who guess who he brought in out the door? Michael Bradley and Clint Dempsey. That that was the leading charge because he did not have faith in his young guys to do it. No, and. I really wish they took a page at Mexico's book and not called up anybody because you need to prepare for the next generation of soccer. You need to see who's going to be in the World Cup. I don't understand why they let go of Brian Rowe and, uh, or yeah, no, Kellen Rowe. I'm sorry, Kellen Rowe. Brian Rowe's a goalkeeper. Kellen Rowe and um, Dom Dwyer. I thought Dwyer played really well. I thought Kellen Rowe played really well, but he, they sent them back. And Arena's excuse was, oh, they played really well. Well, if they played really well, why would you send them back to their their club? That doesn't As, make sense. I I don't think Kellen Acosta had the best game. I think he he got stuck in the middle, forced a couple things. I don't think Michael. He has a good partnership with Michael Bradley. Yeah, that, that's the only. I think the only partner that Michael Bradley can have, in my opinion. And I think that's gonna be the partner. But I, the World Cup. it's great that he had the experience of being out there. But he's one of the few brights bright spots as being a youngster that you can see him in Pulisic that could be the cover of the U.S. but who's who's leading the attack who do you have Jordan Morris I don't think he's ultimately going to be able to do the greatest job being uh, as far as attacking force when you're having to play I don't know maybe Italy in a, in a World Cup uh uh, group game or Chile or an African team or Japan or South Korea because those ultimately the Gold Cup yes Costa Rica did make it to the quarterfinals of the world cup in 2014 that 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 is an amazing accomplishment but what people need to understand is that the u.s cannot assess themselves against costa rica who do they assess themselves against? they need to assess themselves against mexico to be honest that's the only team that they can and the thing is mexico and u.s are both not taking this tournament seriously let's be honest here i think the u.s is taking it more seriously than mexico that's what i think but i mean they're both not taking it as seriously as they could they're messing around they're almost losing games what's what screwed up the U.S. is not qualifying for the Confederations Cup mm-hmm. because that's when you do play the 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 premier countries around the world. Look at what Germany sent. Mexico got could have been seven one or seven zero what they oh, lost yeah. to Chile very easily, but Germany I think you know pulled back a little bit. So going forward, the United States will still continue to struggle with whatever has plagued them in the last generation of soccer players, and that is creativity. Christian Pulisic, Kellen Acosta, as far as young, upcoming players, yes, they are the bright spot. But 
Figure out who's going to be your next goalkeeper. Figure out who's going to pair that back line. Who's going to lead the charge? Because you cannot rely on Michael Bradley, Clint Dempsey, Josie Altador, and Omar Gonzalez and Timmy Howard. Because that ultimately, they're just going to age. Yeah, and if you age. wait too long to transition, you're going to fall apart. And you could be stuck for six or seven, six years. Oh, uh, Definitely a World Cup uh, where you're going to miss out on. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's gonna be it's gonna be really it's gonna be really interesting to see. I mean, we got they have to try to evolve from this dynamic of relying on these older players. And I, like I said, I just feel like they're stuck in some weird transition phase, and I don't know what to even call it because it's not a rebuild, and it's not like they're like immediately they're just there. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. But you know, the U.S. is definitely going to be a conversation on this show. Oh, so for there's sure. Plenty more to Our come. name is Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. How's USA not going to be a exactly. topic of conversation? Uh, the Gold Cup final is Wednesday. Yep. USA and will play either Mexico or Jamaica in uh, Santa Clara. Yes. So uh, watch for that. Um, up next is Walker Zimmerman. He will be uh, joining us to discuss a bunch of things. So stay tuned. Joining us, he is a Georgia native who lettered all four years in high school at Furman University. He was named Freshman of the Year and was given all Southern Conference first team honors back-to-back seasons. In 2013, he declared for the MLS Super Draft and with the seventh overall pick, FC Dallas selected a 6'3 center back. He made his FC Dallas debut May 11, 2013 against DC United and two weeks later, he made his first ever start against San Jose. Earlier this year, in a friendly against Jamaica, he made his first appearance for the Red, White, and Blue. Today, he's a defensive cornerstone for one of the best teams in MLS in CONCACAF. We are so happy to welcome Walker Zimmerman to the program. Walker, thank you so much for joining us today, man. It's tr- truly an honor to have you on the yeah, show. Yeah, thanks for having me out. Let's do this. Let's do this. Um, what a year it's been for you. You know, you called up to the national team. You had the training camp earlier this year, obviously starting with FC Dallas, but what I find very interesting is you ne- don't necessarily come from a football family. I think your great-grandfather, great-grandfather played football and were captains at Auburn University. Your aunt was is in the Tennis Hall of Fame. You have cousins who play collegiate tennis. And your brother Dawson punted at Klinsman and briefly with the Atlanta Falcons. So why soccer and not football or tennis? Yeah. Well, I guess just growing up, I kind of played everything. Uh, so I played, I played basketball and baseball as well as soccer, and I, I love those sports. I love pretty much anything competitive it can be the simplest of games and I'm gonna have fun doing it uh, so I'm just a gamer and then um, about seventh or eighth grade I had to make that switch over to soccer full-time it was when I first got called into the U14 national team and since I'd always wanted to be a professional athlete I think I realized at that point um, that in order to get to where I wanted to go I'd probably have to just drop the other two sports and, and go solely with soccer were you always interested in other sports before the age of 14 like were were you growing up in Georgia were you a Braves fan or you know yeah yeah so I I was definitely a Braves fan um I I enjoyed rooting for them um you know the Hawks is the hometown basketball team right. but I'm, I'm a big LeBron fan so, oh really uh, wow. so I actually root against my Hawks I wow. go for the Cavs you're a little bandwagon then, huh well <laughs> I mean when LeBron went to the Heat I was a Heat fan and we went back to uh, Cleveland I was I respect a Cleveland that. fan so I respect I, I'm pretty loyal to him um but yeah, I mean, I, I grew up basically watching and playing every sport. We had a pretty athletic neighborhood, 
uh, street that I lived on. And so I was the youngest of everyone. And so we always just grew up playing any sports outside in the yard on the basketball court. Um, so that just kind of was my life was was playing pickup sports with with the neighborhood kids growing up. Awesome. Let's go back to when you were 15 years old and you found out that you had Cerberus disease. And for those who don't know what that is, um, it's when the heel grows too too. It's the bone goes too fast for the heel, and the heel can't keep up, mm-hmm. and that knocked you out three months. Yeah. So yeah. then you came back after that injury, and you were like, "Okay, I'm gonna come play. I'll be fine." And then you broke you broke your foot basically, your metatarsal bone. How did you come back from that? Because look, if, if that's me, I'm like, okay, I'm done. I'm retiring. I'm good to go. Like, I'm going to yeah. head out. Well, so, I mean, in hindsight, it was it was awesome that I actually had all those growing pains because when you grow six inches in a year, I mean, that, <laughs> yeah. that kind of helps you become a center back, right? So, I mean, I'm thankful. Yeah, I'm thankful for those uh, for those inches that I gained through that process because um, it definitely helps, helps being 6'3 and being a center back. So, um, I knew at the time, I mean, a lot of people at that age, you know, ninth grade year, 10th grade year, everyone's growing. You're kind of adjusting to your body. Not me, not yeah. me, man. I didn't grow. <laughs> I didn't grow. So yeah, well, mo- most people, <laughs> most people, most, most people. people. So, uh, yeah, it was just a season of, of where I knew that, you know, it wasn't going to be the end for me. It was just a, a time where everyone was going through growing pains and, and I had to have my fair share. So, um, I don't think I ever got down in that, that time and it was obviously playing through a lot of pain, but, um, yeah, I mean, I think I knew the whole time I would, I would bounce back from that. And did you have, growing up, obviously in in America where soccer was always, I guess now it, we would call it fifth and even maybe top three, depending on where you go geographically, but did you have a club that you supported? You know, what what drove you to soccer Yeah, besides, a, you know, getting called up to well, national That's a good team? question. I, I mean, I think always – you know, growing up and even still today, I, I definitely watch my fair share of other sports. You right. know, it's not like I'm right. I'm sitting at the TV as a kid watching soccer. That, that wasn't the case at all. I was a big football fan. I uh, loved to watch, you know, Auburn growing up and then Clemson once my brother went there and um, loved watching the Falcons. And um, I mean, I, I just grew up watching everything else. And so it's kind of funny now because now it's like I'm watching a lot more soccer because I need to learn more about the game and obviously watching a lot of MLS games, do some scouting on my own. But yeah, I mean, growing up, I really did not watch that much that much soccer. Uh, where my friends would be keeping up with the EPL, I, I really didn't. Um, I mean, I catch the occasional Champions League final or, or something like that. But you know, I, I think it helped me just become a more well-rounded uh, athlete. And I think you know, gaining the athleticism from those other sports helps out in, in my style of play on the soccer field. Should be said that I think soccer at least in the time that you were growing up, this was going back, you know, 10, 15 years. Soccer was a lot harder to watch than it is today with NBC Sports, Fox Sports, uh, B-Win Sports, ESPN. It, it seemed that soccer was kind of hidden and you really had to go out and find it. If not, you weren't really getting exposed to it. You're probably exposed to to Sports Center, where it's the other sports. Hmm. And that's, you know. Yeah, never soccer exactly. on Sports yeah, Center. Exactly. I mean. I mean, you'd be seeing the top 10 and it'd be a diving catch in baseball. That's pretty much routine every night. Yeah. Uh, and those are the top 10. And now you're actually seeing, you know, some bicycle kicks, some some golosos from across the world. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, it's definitely growing. And, and I think having that platform on those major networks uh, is helping to grow our game. And that's that's all it is, is getting these TV deals that'll help grow the, the game in the United States. In college, you had excelled quite well. You had the honors given to you. And then in 2013, you were one of the top draft picks. FC Dallas had selected you at seven. What was that feeling suddenly becoming a professional athlete and accomplishing the dream that you you had had years ago? It was definitely a special moment and something that, 
you know, it's the turning point of every uh, player's career who makes it professionally is like it's it's the culmination of a of a youth career, and you're stepping into kind of what is your profession, and that's being a professional professional footballer. And um, so for me, it was it was kind of that moment where it's okay, like now you're here, and now you, now you made it. This is your job now, um, and now the hard work hard work really begins. Walker, let's take a step back and let's go into your personal life a little bit. Looking through your bios, looking through your social media, you have Bible verses posted everywhere, and you are really strong in your faith. Your father was a minister for 21 mm-hmm. years. How, and you also were a youth leader as well. Mm-hmm. How did you balance being a youth leader and a professional athlete? Because, like I told you, before, like I told you off off the off the mic. Not many youth leaders are professional athletes. There, mm-hmm. and in this time and age, a lot of professional athletes are looked at as superiors. So, mm-hmm. how do you? What's the most challenging aspect of being a youth? Well, were, when you were a youth leader right, right. and a professional athlete. Well, I think I mean a lot of that goes back to like you said with how I grew up. I was a pastor's kid, um, so I had great role models with my parents. My two older brothers um, were all very active in our faith, and um, being the youngest, I was able to look up to such good role models. Uh, my brothers and. And my faith is something that keeps me extremely grounded. I know that there's more to life than soccer. I know that I'm I'm playing for more than just um, the enjoyment of the game. But uh, it's also to be able to have this platform to share with others what I believe. And um, and, and I've gotten to, through my time in Dallas, uh, like you said, I was a small group leader for, for about five years, my, basically my whole time here, and I've gotten the chance to speak at you know uh, a couple of different churches uh, to their youth groups and and that's something I'm really passionate about is is the public speaking, especially at, at churches, just to, like you said, let people see, like, just because you make it as a professional athlete, you know, that's not what defines you. Um, and, and so it's good to just be that example and hopefully be that role model to those kids and, and let them know that kind of whatever it is that they want to do and whatever profession they want to have, that's not what defines them. And that's not um, the biggest or most important thing in their life. Was it challenging to keep your faith in the in the professional uh, in the a profession where party, you know, is is common and it's mm-hmm. something that you see all the time on social media, especially in soccer. You look at all around the world; it's party, party, party. Was it was it challenging stepping into an environment like that? Uh, there's definitely a lot of temptation that comes with this with this life, and um, like you said, a lot of a lot of parties, a lot of events. Um, but for me, I think it was important that I was so grounded and not kind of, um, I don't know, I wasn't tempted to, to drift this way or that because I, I had a strong understanding of who I was. And, and I'm really thankful for having, you know, a, a youth life where I, I had the chance to become grounded and had great examples that um, kind of solidified my beliefs. And so I think once I got to this level, it was no, I don't need any of that. I kind of know where I stand and what I believe. And so I think that was definitely helpful to to have a, a really strong base before coming into this uh, professional career. Let's go to your youth days. Your, your, your father was a minister for 21 years. How is it like being the pastor's kid? Has anything yeah. changed? Well, I mean, you definitely get a lot of uh, labels with that. You get a lot of expectations right. by the biggest right, word. Right. Um, and so a typical Sunday for me would be, you know, you show up, you got to go to both services. You're there for, you know, your kids one, and then you go watch your dad preach. Uh, and then you stay after in his office just while he's 
finishing up doing some work and you're playing solitaire on the computer you're taking the church bulletin and you're making making paper airplanes and and throwing them across the sanctuary uh some of our favorite times were probably playing hide and seek in the whole church and we'd have you know a couple of the staff members kids and then obviously me and my brothers and we'd go just explore and hide out was Uh, your church big um it was a couple of different buildings so i mean it wasn't that big i'd say at the time it was probably five to six hundred members um Mm -hmm. so it was a decent sized sanctuary um, and then we had a youth building as well. So, I mean, when you, when you spread out, it's definitely, oh, yeah, it sounds pretty big. definitely a lot of rooms to yeah. cover and even go hide, like in the baptism, you know, like, <laughs> so we were, we were just exploring it's getting and, in trouble. Yeah. And, and, and all the members know who you are. So, right. I mean, like I said, with the expectations thing, you know, you, you definitely have eyes on you all the time and there's a lot of pressure too. Um, but like I said, I, I mean, having, the role models of my brothers especially um i was able to just kind of follow them and kind of be like a little puppy following them around so uh it was it was definitely a, a great uh part of my life and definitely impacted who i am today how's it keeping contact with your family where you're in the life where it's moving 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 always traveling is it difficult how, how do you keep that and how do you manage that it is difficult um especially when you have a family that's as close as mine is um so now we're all married uh, my brothers and i and um so that definitely changes you know you go home for the holidays for christmas and it's like oh not everyone's here because they're at their wife's parents yeah. house you right know? It's right like, yeah um so i think once i got married this past off season it really hit me and my my family of like man like we're not going to have as much time as we thought um, because everyone's kind of running different lives, running different schedules. And, and that's a sad thing, but um, you know, we're, we're also really uh, grateful for the times that we do get together. And we're actually planning a a trip this year down to Harry Potter world. Oh, sweet. Nice. Nice. It'll be the first vacation with the full family uh, in a long time. So that's going to be be a blast. Do I get an invite? Can I, can I come? uh, Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, So it's, it's going to be a blast. And, uh, we, we're still really close. We'll keep up on, you know, FaceTime each other every now and then and make sure that we're aware of what's going on in everyone's lives. And obviously with the group text now, you're able to keep yeah, up pretty well. Lot. Oh, my um, gosh. Definitely helps. What's but, up? But top yeah, top yeah. five innovations. I don't know like, whoever made that. For like, sure, you're a genius, sure. man. But is your family all in Georgia or that you guys kind of split up all over so the country? We're a little spread out now. Um, so my middle brother moved out to Denver when he got married uh, two years ago. And um, so now my oldest brother is in Atlanta and my parents are in Atlanta. And then oh, my I middle see. brother's in Denver. I'm in Dallas. So oh, wow. Spread um, out everywhere. A little, little spread out. So let's go back to Dallas, actually. Let's come back. Let's talk about on the field, what's going on. Dallas currently second in the West. Second best defense, goal scoring wise in the league, behind Kansas City, who's also headed in the table. Can you just give me a brief, you know, your thoughts on how the season's going and whatnot? It's a good start for us, for sure. Uh, I think we're happy with uh, point wise where we're at. Um, I think you know, there's a couple games that I think we wish we could have back where we tied a lot of games. That I think we like there's that run won. you had in the middle, like all those home games. Yeah, all, all those tied. home games where we're used to, to winning those kind of games, uh, those close battles, and you know we walked away with a tie, and I think we were left a little disappointed with some of those results. But at the same time, you look at where we are, 18 games in, and you know we're happy. We're in a position where we can you know still win the the conference and still have a run at the supporter shield and. I think last year through 17 games, we were right at like 30 points or something like that. And I think we were 28 points or something at this point. So we're, we're right on track um, and we're satisfied with, with where we are. But I think in the back of our minds, we do know that a couple of those games, we could have possibly gotten the three points rather than just one. Last season, FC Dallas had 
an exceptional year winning the double U.S. Open Cup and Support Shield. How are all falling short in the playoffs? Is there a bigger expectation this season to to win the MLS Cup or to go further than you guys have in the previous years? Right. I think I think what's changed this year is we realize that you know MLS Cup is what we want this year, and that's kind of what we have our sights on. You know, and last year was hey, we haven't had a, a championship trophy here in 20 years. And now we got that. Off, we checked that off the list, and now we're chasing the one that we haven't gotten. And so I think there's more emphasis on kind of preparing our bodies and preparing our, our training schedule around making a playoff run and and making a run at that MLS Cup. How is it like? Well, if we're talking about this season, when you guys went and played other teams in the continent, and you guys were a top team in the continent. Let's be mm-hmm. honest here. How was it like? Just Instead of just playing just MLS teams, you're going on and playing teams like Pachuca, like Arriba Unido, all mm-hmm. these, all these, all these teams in the region. How how was that like for you? It was a great experience and something that I think gives us a, or should give us a lot of confidence uh, playing in the MLS. Is we we went toe to toe with Pachuca, you know, a team that was on top of the La Liga in Mexico, and you know, I thought I thought we probably should have walked away with that series. Um, oh, yeah. I thought we were the better side and and uh, probably deserved to move on to the Champions League final and. That was definitely a big blow for us. We had prepared very well for that match in Mexico, and uh, it was a tough result. That was a tough one to swallow for sure. But I think that's those are the kind of games that prepare you and bring you together as a team, and uh, should hopefully we can hopefully benefit from that experience um, come playoff time. I had a question regarding your first appearance for the national team. What was that like? expectation going forward regarding that situation coming off you had a slight injury here just a couple weeks ago Mm -hmm. you came you seem to be you know coming back at 100 percent you know are you eyeing the world cup next season is is that in the back of your mind or is that something you kind of just say let it happen naturally yeah i said it's more in the front of my mind to be honest (laughs) uh you know that's something i've always dreamed of and um, whether it's this cycle or the next, I mean, they, these are the times where I, I know I got to step up and try and make a move to make that roster. And so, um, yeah, January camp was awesome. Uh, it was a great experience getting my first cap uh, and playing well against Jamaica. And then uh, getting to go to the qualifiers in San Jose and against Panama um, to be able to be a part of that team uh, in meaningful matches. Um, even though I was just on the bench, it was a great experience to to see how that program works, see what the full national team uh, is like and um, obviously the the injury to the MCL was a little untimely um, with Gold Cup right around yeah, the corner sucked, and yeah. yeah so I was I was definitely looking forward to that all year all right. was that, that was kind of the the target date going into this year was uh-huh. hey be be ready for Gold Cup get some get some more mm-hmm. games under my belt um, but now it's you know about rehabbing properly getting completely back to 100% and then making a run at these next few qualifiers and, and next January and then it all leads up to, to 2018 World Cup. And how, how do you feel right now? Are you 100%? Are you still slowly recovering? Yeah, I think I'm still slowly recovering. Uh, even though I've been able to play these past two games, it's um, more about getting your fitness back more than anything. Right. When you're out for five to six weeks, it's it's tough to get that game fitness in. And also just uh, you know working on, on strengthening it a little bit more. I think there's some room to, to go there. Um, but uh, I, I'm also glad that I was able to get on the field after five weeks. It's a, a pretty quick recovery from that kind of thing. So lastly, Walker, this year has been pretty great for you with your rise to U.S. soccer. What can we expect from you in the next coming months? Well, you're gonna. I mean, I think something I always bring to the field is a lot of passion, a lot of desire. I'm uh, I'm such a competitor that I, I want to win every game I play, win every challenge I go in, and and that's something that you can always expect from me as a player. 
And so I think that's uh, one of my best qualities and, and something I hope to carry into the national team program. And um, I mean, I'm going to do everything I can to try and bring Dallas an MLS Cup and, uh, and then hopefully move on and, and make that World Cup team. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Walter. Thank you so much, Walker. We appreciate it and we wish you the best of luck. Thanks, guys. interesting in walker's article what what's that article interview you said writing you know <laughs> he, he mentioned that he wanted they wanted to win one trophy last year and now the focus is more mls cup i mean you pick up on that i did find that interesting after uh listening to the interview after we we had recorded it that he did mention that i will at the time i wish we had press back something Sometimes in these interviews, you just get lost. Yeah, honestly, I think we're lost in church stories and whatnot. But, like, that was a really interesting quote that I think it's just just interesting. They're focused on winning one trophy compared to, you know. What I would say is when doing interviews, it's not my first player interview. I've done multiple now. You kind of, you're sitting there and you're freaking out. Okay, you're interviewing a player and you want to make sure everything is so right that you get all the information correctly. That you sit there and you don't listen to what's being said. You might you catch a sentence here and then you miss a sentence because you're looking at your next question or you're trying to time everything. You'll get the time. Like this is why you have a producer to, to set everything up and you have nothing to worry about and you just a- a- ask the question. Yeah, but we don't have producers. We that's don't, that's not our budget. We're still looking for an intern. Um, yeah, we're hiring uh, by the way. So if you're like, you know, sixteen and you want some uh, no money, we're we're hiring you as a producer. You know. Yeah, but no, it, it's definitely an interesting. Uh, quote by Walker Zimmerman I think it does I wonder if looking back on it it didn't seem like FC Dallas was so upset with with their debacle in the playoffs I think they're really excited they won those two trophies compared to that and now this year we'll see they're already out in the US Open Cup sounds like an MLS Cup or bus season for FC Dallas to be honest especially in the last previous season everybody has has said they're, they're one of the favorites and they have they were in the conference finals two seasons ago. Yeah, they lost to Portland in the conference finals. They lost to Seattle in the semifinals last so, season. So, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. But, but on the topic of MLS, LAFC, LA LAFC. Galaxy. That's gonna be that's gonna be such a fun rivalry. To be honest here. Yeah, it it could. It's going to be okay. Very we saw what happened with New York. Everyone's like, "Oh, it's a, such a forced rivalry. No one cares." No, but like the, that's, now, that's, both of them care so much. Play plays five games, and then there is something that happens. You have what was a seven nothing, seven nothing Red yes, Bulls killing so. NYC, and them taking offense. And yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah. like something. It, it's it's those rivalries. I mean, some people say it's forced, but I think they just happen. When they're in the city, I think they're not forced. Yeah, I don't think they're now. Forced. What what could be forced is LAFC fans. I think. How are you going to to say here's a new club? Be be fans of it now for the younger generation. As LAFC develops and somebody either moves to LAFC or moves to LA to become a fan of this, then you can choose. There's also a ton of sports in baseball, there's, basketball. There's, well, two I'm, football teams. Yeah, two football teams, two basketball teams. Also, two baseball teams. I mean, if you count the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, as yeah, that counts. Yeah. Actually, the Dodgers are to a new report that just came out. The Dodgers are number one. Lakers are number two. Yeah, that, that sounds about right. 
Magic Do- Johnson, who 2011 was part, took over part of the ownership of the Dodgers, mm-hmm. and he said then, "I'm going to make this the best or the most f- popular and you know people's most adored club in Los Angeles." And look, it, it's happened. It's happened. And you know, there's there's a lot of name recognition with the ownership at uh, LAFC. Will Farrell. Will Farrell. You have Magic Johnson, a part of the the uh, the ownership, as well as Cardiff owner uh, Vincent Tan. Oh yeah, plenty of star power in there. I so there, there's a lot of wealth, yeah. a lot of star power. So the, the question is, what are, what is this rivalry going to mean? I mean, and you could just look at the stadiums, for example, StubHub Center. It's the second largest soccer specific oh, stadium. Sure, yes. Um, and you, it's getting a makeover too right now because the Chargers about to play in it. Yeah, so you have the Chargers coming into town. They're going to change the locker rooms, add in, a video board, add a few more seats. Seat, yes. So it'll be, so be around thirty thousand. Uh, the they're going to change the bleachers. To, mm-hmm. uh, you know what? The, now I'm thinking it's a good business deal from what the Galaxy had. To I do. mean, honestly, the Galaxy are just charging them rent. They can charge them as much as they want because that was one of the only places they could play at. So charge them rent, get nice renovations to your stadium, and. Honestly, StubHub Center is probably one of the top five stadiums in MLS. Suddenly, yeah, after these renovations, is definitely because the Dodgers, no, the the Chargers, not the Dodgers, are going to be there for a couple seasons. A couple it's seasons, not one yeah. season. No, it's going to be a couple. So they do want to play in an infrastructure that represents the NFL, where the NFL has higher standards. I'd say no, it yeah. has a GDP practically of its own nation of 10 billion dollars yeah mean, they, they do rank if you compare the nfl to other countries they have better would have a better gdp wow so that, that's how powerful the nfl mm-hmm. is but you continue to to see the renovation stuff hub center when it was created in addition it's a center so it's not you have the soccer specific they have a stadium. track too yes a velodrome and then a track and field um the complex cost 150 million, and the soccer stadium only was 87 of that, which isn't that much if you think about it in hindsight. And and to go with with the club uh, with the stadium, the club brought in firepower. Obviously, you have you have the Beckham rule created. Designated player basically just based on Beckham. Yes, you have you know Robbie Keane, you have Luis Hernandez, Mexico's fourth highest goal scorer. Um, you have Dos Santos. Yeah, you know the, Gerard Ash, Ashley Cole Donovan. The list goes on and on. That's yeah, yeah, star yeah, yeah. power right there. Yeah, and and they are the most decorated team in Major League Soccer with five MLS Cups, four Supporters Shield, two U.S. Open Cups, as well as winning the old Concacaf Champions Cup back in two thousand. One of only two American-based clubs to do so. So, uh, as far as rivalry comes, they also have Cali Clasico with San Jose, which is always a sellout. Right, they saw at Stanford Stadium. I mean, that's fifty thousand right there. So you, they definitely do. And then you look at LAFC Stadium, and then that is just bonkers. I mean, they just have a random pool, like just there, like David Pool for fun. Like that's literally the only reason why they have the pool there. They have that. They have also a thirty-four degree supporters section. Oh, that's gonna be sick. Which yeah. is the steepest in MLS, which is going to safe be safe standing, safe. Mm-hmm. safe standing. So they're going to re replicate what you have in Orlando City, which is great for the league. I think that is where... It's a great trend that's going on right now. DC I like United that. also will yeah, have something DC United, like that. Buzzard Park. Mm-hmm. Um, the question is, will the expansion clubs, whoever will get them, I wonder if they'll develop that in their uh, stadium. Is Minnesota also having that? I'm not sure about Minnesota. We'll have to check in I think that. they're still working on that because 
the stadium will open until the 2019 MLS yeah, season. It's, so it's that's very, far down the road. Right. But you have these supporters uh, standing sections that is trending all over Major League Soccer. The steep. Uh, they also have $20 supporter memberships. So that's 20 bucks a, a match. That's enough. That's probably the best value in sports, to be honest here. Well, if you if you look at the most successful fan-based clubs, and I believe it's Borussia Dortmund, their season tickets are not what Arsenal so charges them. It's not what Liverpool, it's not what Bayern Munich does. It is for the fans because they realize the truest fans who communicate with the club are are working. Working men. Soccer is a working man's sport. They work their tails off, and they come to watch this to escape. Yes, escape their lives. So. Why not make it cheaper? The the, the rich own uh, the rich uh, people, executives, whatever they do, they could go to game anytime they want. Right. But for the working, the working per, class, the working class, for the working man, this is an escape. This is a luxury. Make it that. So they also have the thirty two fifty two Independent Supporter Union of LAFC. Now, do you know why it's thirty two fifty two? No, tell me. Is that okay, so like altitude or something? No, th- not at all. <laughs> That would be really, really high up. No, it'd no, be it half, half, a, half a mile, so it's nothing, actually. Come on, do some math, man. I thought meters. We're in college, man. Do some math. So what's three plus two? Five. Five plus five. Ten. Plus two. Twelve. It's the twelfth man. Why can't you call it the twelfth man? Or uh, Because that's already been taken. I mean... I mean, it's original, but... It's people, cool, but like I feel like there's too much thinking involved. Exactly. So w- people are going to be like, why are you guys called 3252? Oh, because 3 plus 2 plus 5 is 12. Like, now, I wonder what? if there's more meaning to, to the to the number. So that's what I read. I think there might be. There has to be. There's no way it's... But it, it primarily has to do with being the 12th man. So they, they created this supporter show. I like to name 3252. It's catchy. Independent supporters. I, I think it's lame. Really? Yeah. Because 3 plus 2 plus 5 plus 2, like, wow, that's 12. Yeah, but you, you'll remember 3252. That's an easy number to remember. Yeah, but I'm going to forget the significance. I mean, I won't now because you told me like three times, but like, okay, whatever. Uh, it's going to have a 22,000 capacity. Uh, it's going to cost about $250 million. It's going to go overboard. Yeah, it looks gorgeous do. too. So It's going to be gorgeous. Featured swimming pool. And this, I think this is very unique. Every seat is within 130 five feet of the field the closest being only 12 feet yeah they put a lot of like precise like measurements into the stadium to be honest and hope and i think that reflects what team lafc is bringing i think they're scaring the galaxy and the galaxy aren't having the best season right now but i think they're starting to show hey la get ready we're, we're coming for you we're, we're gonna take over this city yeah and and the the bonk the california stadium where lafc will be playing is Closer to the heart of LA. And that's key. That's um, always key. The location, as we know in Dallas, it's always key. Yes. And it's only uh, it's only twelve miles to separate the two cl- stadiums, so that's that's going to be tense, which is going to be fantastic. Because New yep. York, on the other hand, that's over the hut. Yeah, it's it, it's, it's kind of difficult. Oh, for sure. So this this is going to be the first real intercity derby. Yeah, you could say that. The the New York what besides New York you don't have any other like really close what's the closest it's New York now this right. is gonna be even closer right you know this is going to be London this is going to be Atletico well I don't know I I think 
Atletico and Real Madrid the stadiums are further apart but you're going to get that feel where the city's truly divided on the I mean you're team. already seeing that have you seen that with like the supporters and whatnot? Oh yeah yeah the, the LAFC supporters were at a U Academy game U13 when they played Galaxy and they're packed the, the stands were packed and you're like for you like 14 I don't know if the stadium I don't know if they were packed for my from what I saw there was plenty of supporters for a game that like they were is supporters. pretty meaningless and like that grand scheme they're of things they're 14 half of them won't even play in college or go yeah, to the they're 14 let's be honest here there's they're those cause they're still, and the fact that supporters are already coming out for those games shows that there's a true passion for LAFC and that's a worrying sign for the Galaxy, to be honest. I mean, this team has been in the league for, what, over 20 years? And they're now kind of playing second fiddle almost to a team that's brand new? Yeah. That's kind of uh, weird. It, no, it's kind of weird. But you know, back to your point where they're scaring the LA Galaxy, I think that has to do huge with the Slatan Ibrahimovic signing where LAFC, yeah, they're interested in these huge stars. Chicharito they failed on. Can't get nobody. Uh, so far, they don't even have a head coach. Wesley Schneider's in talks. You have actually Ibrahimovic also among talks. But the Galaxy are interested in Ibrahimovic. They do need a number nine. But I don't think Ibrahimovic is necessarily going to be about on-the-field tactics more in a sense like, hey, we got Ibra. Like, come check us out. Like, yeah, we got the it's superstar. All, it's, all, it's all in the grand scheme of marketing and all that stuff. I mean, if you whoever's going to get Ibrahimovic, I mean, obviously, their viewership's going to go up the roof. I mean... It's 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 all about the marketing. It's all about the, just all these little petty battles, you know. What I mean, just petty rivalry battles. Like you you saw the murals getting defaced. That was awesome. Yeah, you saw that. I love how it was. LAFC had their logo up, and then some Galaxy supporters. It's all in. these small petty things that make rivalry a rivalry, and that's what I think we're heading towards. And I'm honestly really really excited to see but what's going to come. This is a build that Major League Soccer is creating. Yeah, and I mean, I guess that was part of the strategy of putting LAFC in there. I right, think. but if you look at New York, uh, NYCFC, they don't even play in a soccer-specific stadium. So it's like they're playing at Yankee Stadium. Half the field Ew. is too tiny. It, it feels like it's just, it's terrible. Ew. Half the fans, what I'm trying to say, are miles away from the action. The Pretty other bad. ones are literally right behind the goal. So you just don't – it makes no sense. Your eyes – it's just confusing to follow. It's too narrow on both directions. So there's no creativity. So you see it, but you go watch Orlando City, and you're like, wow. You want to be there on the, when you watch Yeah, I love the whole soccer-specific thing. I love it. And that's why I love LAFC and what they're bring, bringing to the table. I think it's going to be a fantastic addition to MLS. And I think it's going to... It's definitely scaring the Galaxy right now. And The question is, I think it's... Are they going to be able to sign anybody? Well, Taylor Twelman keeps mentioning this. And... The fact that this upcoming year is a World Cup year, he thinks it's not going to happen. He thinks the team players are going to come after the World Cup year because national team managers, they don't want players that play in MLS. Yeah, let's just, let's know, just be honest. You saw what happened to Giovinco. He's I want to say the Italian national yeah. team is very uh, the the manager at the it's moment. It's anti-MLS. He, he hates how Giovinco went there for a paycheck. Even though Giovinco is tearing up MLS and I think could be national team quality, honestly. He doesn't like it. And I think a lot of players are scared of the same thing. And I really think that not many players are going to come. I mean, you saw Chicharito. I mean, yeah, but Wesley Schneider, he's, what, 33, 34? I mean, the Netherlands are uh, just... They might not even qualify. Yeah, they might not even qualify. So, so I mean, that might happen. No, but honestly. he's 33 years old. He just got had his contract. Uh, he just basically quit his contract to Galatasaray, owing them money. Um, 
in fact, you know, he was once the best, one of the best attacking midfielders going forward. And he would be a very interesting signing for LAFC. I think he could be very interesting. I think, I think he could be somebody a, you could build around, but I think they need a, a big name, you know what I'm saying? Is they need somebody with with character, with... Ibrahimovic would be perfect. Ibrahimovic, because Chicharito. What he brings is... Yeah, Chicharito would bring the fans, but Ibrahimovic, what he brings is, is a personality. Star power. Well, he brings personality. And, and star power, exactly. Well, star power, sure, but the personality, people are gonna people know Ibrahimovic because of his personality. Yeah, it's like he, when David Beckham came in. He yep. was the pretty boy. He was, you know, uh, Spice Girls. Like, you knew that coming in. Cristiano Ronaldo's the same. You know the personality of Messi. You know the personality of Me- uh, Neymar. LAFC need to gun towards that. You see a lot of these clubs in Major League Soccer. You have, I think, NYCFC has a personality with Villa and Pirlo, even though Pirlo's kind of getting phased out. Yeah. Chicago Fire with Bastion Schweinsteiger. Mm-hmm. I think you see that personality. Seattle Sounders, the Portland Timbers, you see that personality. But you look at other clubs like Houston, you're like, huh? Colorado. <laughs> what? Like, could, could you name more than three players on Colorado? Not, I'm not saying you, but... You oh, know, yeah. But, I mean, I, I probably could, to be honest. But the but like, majority yeah, yeah, of saying. people just don't care. You don't see that personality. But you see the personality of the New England Patriots. You know the Cowboys. You know the, the Yankees. You know what the Red Sox are. You know what uh, the Lakers are. You know, with ball. You, you know these personalities of Cleveland, of, of the Miami Heat, or whatever it is. The L- LAFC needs a gun for that. And like you said, the World Cup here, that's scary stuff because I don't know what player is going to make that move. LA, LAFC right now are... That 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 one guy who's talking all big and it's like, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna beat y'all up, we're gonna we're gonna come all, we're gonna just gonna destroy y'all, you know, all that. But there's nothing. Let's be honest, there's nothing. There's yeah. absolutely nothing there right now. They have a nice stadium coming, they have ownership, they have the hype, but they need to capitalize on it because well, if they don't, it's gonna be a big failure in my opinion. Uh, Penn. Uh... Tom Penn. Tom Penn, one of the uh, what's say one of the co-owners and president of LAFC, was was talking to the Associated Press, right? Right. And he's I'm not quoting him for exactly, or I am quoting now. I think over time you'll see some of the best talent and best names in the world want to come to LA, and I don't think that's necessarily false. I think it's gonna be time, but best talent. That's gonna be. It's, it, I think it's more of a league thing than it's gonna be an LAFC well, thing. If you're gonna be honest. No, no, no. I think it has the city appeal. Hollywood. All the stars want to go there. They well, don't yeah, for sure. They they don't want to go to Frisco, Texas. They want to go to Los Angeles. Not even that. It's it's yeah. Los Angeles is more about their brand. LA offers brand exposure, like New York, brand exposure. Okay. As far as soccer sense, I don't. If you're the best player in the world, you want to play at Manchester United. Barcelona, uh, Real Madrid. Madrid, in England, it, Juventus, Milan, uh, the list goes on. Bayern Munich, that's where you want to be. You're not going to want to play in Major League Soccer. It's going to be 50 years before that changes. Yeah, I can. Well, I'm I, 50 I think, years, but I think you're right about that. It's going to well, be I a think, long time. Yes, uh, Giovinco's one of the few that come over. Bastian Swagger, only at 32. He still still played at Bayern Munich if he didn't leave for yeah, absolutely. Manchester United. So you, you see the transition of, of first it has to be American, and you saw that. LAFC needs to needs to gun. And, yes, they, they dream big. And Tom Penn is absolutely correct to dream big. Huge, because that's what you need to do. You need to have a vision. They have the stadium, they have the infrastructure, they have the name power. The question is, so far, it's been blank. And the worrying thing is, we're creating all this hype around this club, and because of the World Cup year that you bring up, 
We're not going to see that, and people are going to be left disappointed. I think so, honestly. I mean, that's the route that we're heading towards. Now, people might say, it's still early. You know, March March 2018 rolls around, maybe stuff changes. But at this point in time, I think LAFC should be a little worried. I think MLS should be even a little worried as well. I think they should be worried they struck out Chicharito. I think they need a gun for Ibrahimovic. And overall, they just need to make some more and more signings and actually capitalize on that splash. Yeah, and, and from a Galaxy perspective, right now you're kind of sitting there going, okay, we, we have the infrastructure. We're still the most decorated team in, in Major League Soccer. Yeah, quality players, Alessandrini, Dos Santos, yeah, Van Damme. These are quality players, and they can expand on that. They just, I think they need that motivation. Too. And they still have designated spot, uh, player spot that yep. they can use. And they're in the same situation where LAFC is. It's a World Cup year, but they have it's the Galaxy. You know, they have prestige. They have actually have history. Yes, exactly. And that's what LAFC doesn't have, and that's going to be an issue. That's going to be an issue. Well, that wraps up the first ever edition of Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. We are so excited to launch episode one. Extremely excited. We'll be back next week. And uh, follow us on Twitter at UncSamSoccerPod. That's it. UncSamSoccerPod. Sorry, I was like... I was thinking of the at, and then like I got like kind of mixed yeah, up. Yeah, that, that was bad, Armand. Yeah, that was bad. All right, anyway, we'll be back next week with another episode. Discuss more American soccer. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn and complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance, which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all stages or situations. Right now, you can get both Sprint's Unlimited plan and the iPhone XR with its amazing camera included for just $35 per month per line for five lines. All you need is approved credit and 24-month installment billing. No trade-in required. Visit a Sprint store, Sprint.com, or call 800-SPRINT-1. Phone $15 a month after monthly credit supplied within two bills. If canceled early, remaining balance due. Unlimited basic. After 63020, pay $32 a month per line with auto pay. Data deprioritization during congestion. Speed maximums, use rules, and restrictions apply. 